0: Chapter four of Miss Inglis by Gertrude Hall. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter four. Grace coming down late after oversleeping was glad to find that no trouble had been taken to keep her breakfast hot beyond turning a saucer over the oatmeal. This was according to her request. She felt less guilty so. "'She sat down to it absent-mindedly. "'The basement dining-room was darker than usual "'because of the rainy sky, "'but she did not mind the gloom this morning. "'Her eyes still retained an impression of brightness "'and her ears of music "'from the theatre of yesterday evening. "'Lydia could be heard stirring in the kitchen. Beatty sat at the window for the better light. "'He had exchanged good mornings "'with his sister-in-law upon her entrance, and then had spoken no more. This signified nothing except that he was busy reading his paper, and did not demand of himself any more than grace expected of him, sociability in the family. He would presently, it was quite possible, let her have some of the facts that interested him in the day's news. Meanwhile, she hardly felt his presence in the room, It would be difficult to describe Beatty Poor more than from his outside of sallow features and black hair because it was difficult to feel that one understood him. There was proof that he had a good intelligence and had received a good education, but why should there be so little of flower and fruit from a normal tree, of foliage even? If he had said, You prick us, do we not bleed? You tickle us, do we not laugh? Why would one have been tempted to say no you do not was he less than an ordinary man or more whichever way one answered the question one found reason later to question the answer he did no harm to anybody but he did nobody any good either that one could see perhaps he did do a little harm by dulling the light and lowering the temperature wherever he was on the other hand He no doubt did a little good to Lydia, who incredibly, mysteriously loved him. Winfred Inglis, his father-in-law, had applied an excellent mind to the study of Beatty. He, too, with scant result. Positive only that Beatty was not contented, and did not content him, Winfred, having a taste for manipulating abstractions, had tried to fit him with imaginary circumstances amid which "'he would have been satisfied and satisfactory. "'He had stopped upon the idea "'that Beatty ought to have been a Sicilian prince "'of no importance, living in a hot climate "'and a sleepy old palace, with nothing to do "'but read a little, ride a little, and go at evening to a café. "'He could see him as quite distinguished "'in a monochromatic, taciturn way. "'In the same way, he tried to arrange an ideal life for Lydia.' his eldest child, but this he found more difficult, because, if she were to be happy, her particular faculties must be brought into play, and her points were order, prudence, economy, with the correlated virtues not greatly demanded by the fairy story. Sometimes he settled her in life as mistress of ceremonies to a queen of Spain, with all the maids of honor under her discipline but oftener he made her into a sublimated housekeeper with servants and store closets and a bunch of keys part of the peering puzzled look observable in winfred ingelis's photograph was due no doubt to pondering the mystery of both lydia and grace being his daughters children of the same mother outcome of the same conditions when it came to visions of grace's future a deep love interfered with his fixing upon any human probabilities too much restricted the field his sense of a father's impotence to shield his child forever bred in him the keener longing to place in her hands a lamp to guide herself by and the greater despair that even this was more than one could be sure of accomplishing grace was not one of those fortunate young women who look well at all times the humor she was in had everything to do with her appearance at a thought an uplift of the spirit beauty could dawn in her face like a star clearing its silver path through mist at a pang of discouragement disillusion it could fade like the rose color out of a sunset cloud since coming home from the west indies she had looked softly lovely all the time not after the manner of the great heartbreakers among flowers rose lily gardenia but one of the secondary favorites yet thoroughly sweet a daffodil on its slender thornless stem she cared about her looks but not constantly she knew that a girl can use them to captivate as a fairy good or bad can use her wand but a very little experience had made her afraid to do this lest the result be a burden and a bore a man she disliked had once pursued her with attentions. She had become careful not to arouse attention that might result in pursuit. She would not have been displeased to know that men were in love with her, but she could not endure being made love to. When it came to Claire, needless to say, all this was changed. It was still a marvel, the simplicity with which, on their last evening aboard the Pretoria, when he caught her in a dark corner of the deck and said, she had got to have him she gave him his way. And now, with a sense of being loved, she was bloomy and shiny-eyed, even while eating lukewarm oatmeal and a cold egg. Lydia came from the kitchen and pulled out a sideboard drawer to place in it the handful of silver. She had polished. She wore a spotless apron over a neat black dress. Lydia could do any kind of housework and not soil herself or her apron. It partook of the supernatural. It was not altogether strange, perhaps, that, with her starched linen collar, her black hair compactly done, she should cast a look of disfavor at Grace, who, in hurrying so as not to be disgracefully late, had wound up her hair negligently and tied a careless pink scarf around her neck. But there was felt to be something subtly reprehensible likewise, something inconsiderate in grace's exhibition through enhanced beauty of inward warmth and content furthermore to account for the coolness of lydia's eyes when resting on her sister there was grace's standing offence of letting her do all the work true grace wanted to help but her way of going about it made lydia so nervous that she declared she had ten times rather do it alone grace had more than once mildly ventured that she thought it would be better to have a servant they had always had one it seemed to her that they could even now afford a general housemaid but lydia had sniffed in contempt and remarked that grace evidently failed to grasp the financial situation the older sister now sat down at the table as if to rest and be companionable for a few minutes while the other finished her breakfast there existed between the two an ordinary family likeness of proportion and texture the wide difference was in their coloring and expression grace's brown pallor was warm besides lydia's grayish whiteness lydia ought to have been the handsomer if firmer clearer more classic lines could have achieved it but those well-carved features were the cover too obviously of bitter depths the habitual look of lydia's eye called the universe and every person in it to sharp account for the fact that things had not gone better with her and her mate the universe could not be expected to like it grace felt sorry for her to the point of trying not to mind the things lydia said and did to her she loyally held the belief that under it all her sister loved her Well asked lydia how was it last evening did you have a good time grace woke up and began telling about it she related the play scene by scene laughing with the return of her first delight after a description of the popular rosina folks she jumped up from the table to give as much as she remembered of you should see me dance the polka a poor imitation of one inimitable but well-meant Beatty, without laying down his paper, turned his head to watch. Lydia, with her lips set to a smile, yet looked rather inscrutable. But it was a part of generosity with Grace to take for granted Lydia's pleasure in hearing about the good time. The contrast smote her, too, between the two pictures, Lydia and Beatty spending the evening according to their dreary custom, she mending, he reading to himself the heater not giving forth much heat, or the economical lamp much light, and herself going to the theatre in a hackney coach with a young fellow, lavish as new love, a fur robe for her knees, a bunch of violets for her hand, a box of caramels, the best seats in the house. It verily hurt her a little. But if she had felt a disposition to hide these things, lest they hurt her sister, too, she would have hated herself for— so insulting the latter in thought she cherished the intention of moving claire by a delicate hint to complete her pleasure next time by inviting the others to go with them and afterwards asked lydia did he take you to supper we went to have some oysters this revelation or something else plunged lydia in thought she looked past grace at the wall and grace When the silence had lasted a minute or two got the uncomfortable impression that lydia had something on her mind which she was preparing to make known lydia however first attended to other business beatty you ought to go and see to the furnace she said before leaving his chair beatty took time to stretch his arms and legs he then got up and obediently vanished grace folded her napkin and was collecting her dishes to take them into the kitchen when Lydia fulfilled her presentiment. Never mind those, she stopped her. Sit down again. I want to talk to you. Grace's wonder had a strong tincture of alarm. What followed dispelled the alarm without altogether clearing the wonder. How soon do you suppose you will be getting married? Lydia asked. My dear, faltered Grace, I've only been engaged a little over two weeks. I know that. But have you any notion? Can you form any idea? No, dear. We haven't spoken of it. Why do you want to know? I want to know because your plans, unfortunately, affect ours. In what way do you mean, Lydia? Use your brains. Is there any single solitary way in which they do not? As Grace, trying to follow instructions and use her brains, was for some time mute lydia pursued we can't feel ourselves free of course until you marry you mean that if it were not for me you would want to do something different go somewhere else i mean that the lease here expires the first of may i've put off the landlord and put him off when he wanted to know if we meant to keep on we should certainly not renew the lease if you were going to be married say in six months but that is not at all likely a year is the soonest why on earth do you wait so long asked lydia unexpectedly and added with a stinging laugh (laughs) at the pace you are going i should say the sooner the better grace blushed darkly red and for a moment sought words to express her with some adequacy without involving her in an instantaneous quarrel While she was swallowing her annoyance, Lydia went on. This house is too big for us, anyhow. Too big, and for us at least, Beatty and me. Too expensive. Grace still did not speak, waiting to be sure that her voice would be calm. Lydia went on. It has always seemed nonsense to me, anyhow. A whole house for such a small family. We could have boarded. "'any time for much less. "'There are all the books. "'There is all the furniture. "'Papa liked the feeling of home. "'I know. "'That was the explanation he gave, "'and I always thought it a funny one, "'considering that he never would stay long enough in any place "'to have got the feeling that it was home. "'It wasn't the love of change, Lydia. "'You know that.' do i what was it then pure restlessness that made him give up one job after another and move from city to city no it was not restlessness spoke grace staunchly and stiffened her voice to keep it from tears of indignation i understand perfectly if you don't understand i am not sure that i can make you in every case there was a good reason but not as everyone would see it the methods the policies of the people he had to work with would always disgust him in the end he could not adapt himself to being a party to what he regarded as humbug he would try to change things and when he found he couldn't he would grow impatient and speak his mind then get out of it throw it over You ought to be proud of it. I am. That he was valuable, that he was respected, was shown by magazines and newspapers, one after the other, offering him positions. In a world where so many people are careless about how they get success, if they just can get it, there ought to be a few who are particular. I am glad my father was one of them. You needn't get so hot, my dear, as if I had cast a slur on Papa's memory. I was only saying it hadn't been very nice for us. You were always his favorite, though. You can't be expected to see the thing exactly as I do. I'm not doing him an injustice, I hope you admit, in saying you were his favorite. Lydia, I love Papa more than you did. That was the explanation. I love him more now than you do it was that that made me his favorite from a baby i loved him more and why please did you love him more because he loved you more naturally from the first i was never spoiled and petted as you were papa and mama were strict with me i was only a little girl when you came a little girl of nine but I used to have to mind you like a little hired nursery maid. Poor Mama was ill. No, she wasn't. It was just their different way with me. I was expected to be unselfish and make myself useful. When your turn came, they let you be as selfish as you pleased. They never seemed to notice that you were selfish. I was always sacrificed to you, but no one ever seemed to notice it grace stared at her sister with eyes of young bewilderment she could not understand this unprovoked overflowing of venom because she looked for some subtle reason for it and it was so simple oh lydia please not to go on like that she tried to end the horrid scene and with shuddering repugnance wipe away the stain of it it makes me sick to the soul it makes me want to die and be out of it. My dear, a little truth won't do you a bit of harm, said Lydia, in a voice as brisk and untender as the east wind. She looked elated, as if at a success. You have always lived with your head in the clouds, so that you never see the things that have no direct reference to yourself. And now, More than ever, with your head filled by this new grandeur, it is easy for you to be wrapped in yourself. But there are other people you know. There are other things. When I married Beatty, it was in part to escape from a home where I was always made to play second fiddle. I was the baby, Lydia. They had lost two children between your coming and mine. Can't you understand? I was their last." "'Last, but not least, yes. I remember my feelings of irony when, as soon as I was well out of the way, married off, you closed shop, and all went to Europe for a holiday.' "'Lydia, how can you pervert things so?' What am I perverting? Didn't you wait to go to Europe till I couldn't go? But, but Papa made you a present of money when you married, didn't he? Which might be regarded as an equivalent for the traveling you missed. Oh, that! It would have been rather too pointed if he hadn't given me anything. Don't look at me like that, Grace. I'm not a curiosity. I could never see why one shouldn't tell the truth about people because they are dead. I call them well off when they are dead. It's the time when they're surest not to care. It might be better to drop the subject, said Grace, so faintly as to give her words an effect of violence. However did we come to it? How did this dreadful conversation begin?' "'You were saying you didn't want to renew the lease "'unless it were certain I should not be married inside the year. "'I shall not be. "'If it depends on that, you can renew it.' "'How do you know if the matter has never come up "'between you and Mr. Overcome?' "'However it turned out, I should pay my share of the rent.' i will pay more than my half to make up for any inconvenience there may be for others let me pay three-quarters lydia or let me pay the whole go slow my child you haven't married your rich man yet i have my share of papa's life insurance i don't want it i have another reason for not caring to renew the lease we might as well talk the thing out now an opportunity has arisen for beatty which i don't think he ought to miss it would involve our going south going south yes to florida it's something that came up while you were away and i've wanted to give it a careful thinking over before saying anything about it beatty's brother foster who has been in wielaka for some years wants beatty to join him there and go in with him There's an opening, an excellent chance. Beatty grew up in the South, you may remember, and has always wanted to go back. This climate is too harsh for him. The point now is to see what arrangement we can make about you. Your coming home engaged seemed at first to complicate things, but the more I've looked at it, the more I've seen that it really simplifies them. Oh, please, don't think of me. You mustn't let me make any difference. Please think only of yourselves. That's easy to say, my dear. Don't be silly. I've got to think of you and make some proper arrangement. What would your future family think? I can't leave unless you are suitably settled somewhere and everything is right for you till you get married. The best solution, of course, and the most natural, would be for you to spend the interval before your marriage with friends now what friends have you who could and would take you in i can't think of any lydia that i would care to ask for so great an accommodation such a very great favor we haven't a single relative in this city or a single friend that we've had for any length of time how should we have we haven't lived here long enough we've never lived anywhere long enough to have friends It's what I was saying when you picked me up and seemed to think I was such a monster. Ida Lamont is the only person in the world I would think of asking so much of, and she lives way off in Maine. Well, then. But there are boarding houses. I suppose people are sometimes married from a boarding house. You would have a church wedding. The boarding house needn't appear in the matter at all there are perfectly respectable boarding-houses of course even elegant ones if we make a business of looking them up i have no doubt we can find one kept by a lady with daughters who would take you right into her own family or this would be even better we can look for a family not a boarding-house at all-a family who would make you like one of themselves give me a little time to think lydia don't do anything about it for a day or two We shall have to be out of this house before the first of May, you realize. I know. Go about the part that concerns you and Beatty, as if I were not here. Only let me think out for myself the part that concerns solely me. Give me a little time. Very well. You go ahead, and we'll go ahead. If we could get away even earlier, say, by the middle of April, it would be that much better for Beatty and me. This is a turn in our lives when no one can blame us, I should think, for looking out for ourselves. We aren't going to marry a rich man, you see. As for being beholden to rich relations, I shall be excused, I hope, for saying that it's not to my taste. I haven't said that I'm glad of this new opening for Beatty, but I am, I hope you know, with all my heart. I wouldn't for anything in the world be a hindrance in the way of it. No, with all the magnificence that is coming to you in a few months, for if, when he asks you to set the day, Clarence Overcome lets you put it a whole year ahead, he's not the man I take him for. If, I say, with all the wealth and grandeur that's coming to you so soon, you grudged Beatty and me, our poor little prospects you'd have to be meaner than i'd ever thought you i want you i want you so much to succeed this will be the very thing for baby i am sure it does look more promising than usual because my half of the life insurance gives us a little capital to start with it would be no use trying foster says without some capital for once in our lives we have it it's not much but it's something that's one reason why it's so important not to wait till the current expenses of this house have eaten it up you're quite right yes i'm sure you will do well this time there always comes a turn doesn't there if one waits long enough it was about time i should say that something fortunate happened to us I was coming to the conclusion that there wasn't an atom of justice in the world. End of chapter 4